Hello, my name is Rose Cortine and you're listening to the Talking Teenage Life podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss some of the key topics that impact us during our teenage years. Welcome along to today's episode. I don't know about you, but when I sit down to listen to podcasts, I like to have a cup of delicious coffee with me. Therefore, I'm so delighted to announce that this series is sponsored by Paddy and Scott's Coffee. Their support has enabled me to buy better equipment and I hugely appreciate their support. So let me tell you a bit about them. Paddy and Scott's are coffee farmers on a mission to revolutionise how coffee is traded around the world. They are obsessed with great tasting coffee, but also using coffee as a vehicle for change. They passionately believe their coffee tastes better because it changes lives. They grow, source, import and roast some of the finest coffees in the world and proudly have their own coffee farm in Kenya, where they divert profits towards rebuilding the local school and feeding the ambitions of the local community. They have different coffees for different occasions. There's Wakey Wakey to help get you up in the morning. There's Easy Days for your casual day-to-day cup of coffee. There's Chit Chat Coffee, which is perfect for sharing and podcasts, of course. But whatever your choice of Paddy and Scott's coffee, their goal of fueling ambition fits perfectly with our vision at Talking Teenage Life. Not only are Paddy and Scott sponsoring this podcast, but they are also generously supporting the work of Young Minds, the UK's leading charity fighting for children and young people's mental health. So please go to paddyandscots.co.uk, click on the shop, buy some delicious coffee and put the code YOUNGMINDS in the discount box and you will enjoy 20% discount and Paddy and Scots will donate some of their profits to Young Minds too. This means you get great coffee at the same time as supporting a great cause. So please sit down, with a cup of Paddy and Scots, relax and join me and my guests as we dive into the conversation today. So hi everyone and welcome to today's episode. On today's episode we'll be tackling the subject of bullying. If you're struggling with bullying at the moment and this might not be the best podcast to listen to right away but we do we will be talking about a lot of strategies that might help you if you are in this situation. To help me talk about this subject today, I have Megan. Hi. Megan and I have known each other since the start of high school and are really good friends. Secondly, we have Scott. Hello. Scott and I sit next to each other in our room and that is a lesson where we tackle lots of tricky subjects. And lastly, we have Colin. Hi. Colin was a primary school head teacher and so we'll have a lot of insight into the topic today. So let's start our topic of bullying on the bigger perspective of what it is. On some TV shows and in society, the contestants are sometimes excluded from groups and other people can almost gang up on them and fear, and so they feel like they're constantly being picked on. Megan, why do you think that bullying is almost so prevalent in our modern day society? I think like you said I think tv shows do like play a good like a big part but it's not necessarily a good part because 
I don't really think they help because they can sometimes portray like bullying as something that's acceptable and something that is common. And I think that kind of gives the wrong idea because I don't think that's not that's not, like not the case. It's kind of brought up by a lot of that. And I feel like it's often like part of like a TV show, part of the plot or something. And I think this starts to make people think that it's like all right and it's just like not. Yeah. Scott, where do you think like bullying is created or how has it like come about almost? To be honest, it's always been a thing in society. It's not like a new thing that's been introduced. It's always been there. It's, I'm not really sure the source of it. I think that's sort of the big mystery of it. Because if we found the source, we could really stop the problem. But it's just that we really have been able to find the source. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Colin? I think Scott's right in that it, it's always been around. It's sadly uh, part of human nature. And I, I think as, for us as human beings, Scott said, if we could find the source, I, I don't claim to be an expert, but I think I've, I'm old enough now to see enough of life and enough of people. And sadly, bullying isn't just for young people. We, we see it with adults as well and older adults, and it doesn't seem to stop. I think it I think it links to kind of human beings having this basic need to have feel they've got a bit of purpose, a bit of meaning, to feel in control of their lives. And with bullying, it's often roots around somebody's feeling a bit insecure, and so they want to feel on top. Uh, and sadly, they choose the option of pushing other people down so that they feel higher up. Um, rather than trying to work on their own character to raise themselves, they push others down so that they still feel top of the pile. Um, and actually, some research shows that actually the bully themselves may have gone through some kind of trauma and this behavior is actually a response to keep any kind of threat away. Um, and sadly, that means the person that's being bullied gets caught in the crossfire. So I think it's just a sad way that, that some people try and make themselves feel bigger by pushing other people down. Um, and as Scott said, it's always been there, but I think perhaps with modern day media, we perhaps see more of it or we have less of an escape from it with social media that's constantly pumping stuff into our feed. Yeah, so would you say then that almost like to almost get rid of bullying, we have to start from the bigger picture, from the media and it being seen as something that needs to happen? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it wouldn't it be great if actually our media and our social media were actually promoting more of what it is to reflect on yourself and become better in yourself rather than perhaps promoting or as you say sometimes glorify some people's poor behavior um, as part of that process so it'd be great if media could be turned around to promote the positives about being self-reflective and improving yourself rather than squeezing other people down to make yourself look higher yeah so now on a more personal perspective have you ever like been bullied or witnessed it happening or had any other link with bullying? Um, well, like more so in primary school that I had a few issues with some girls who were like quite horrible a lot of the time. And like across like my years at school, I definitely would have like seen it. But um, yeah, I just think kind of like it kind of goes on so often that the majority of people would have experienced it or witnessed it. And I think that's like become too normal now. I think that's such a negative like thing to have become so like normal and so common in like school environments and everywhere else even. Yeah. So um you said you witnessed it you like it happened to you in primary school. Do you think that it happens more in primary or high school? 
Um, I think in primary school, like, there's a lot of, you're like, it's when you're first starting to grow up. So there's a lot of things and you're learning new things, like, all the time. And, like, you don't know how to deal with those situations necessarily as well in primary school because you've not had to necessarily experience them before. But I think in high school, there's, there's like, a higher level of maturity. But then at the same time, people are more clever with it, if that makes sense. Like, when they've got that level of maturity, they kind of understand how they can hurt someone more a bit. And so I think it does, it, it happens more, I feel like it probably does happen more in primary schools, but when it happens in high schools, it's probably worse because it's more kind of like psychologically damaging, I think, because people kind of have learned almost what hurts them and then use that against other people. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about you, Scott? Have you ever like had bullying affect you? Um, yeah, more so in primary school, really. And it was more physical, not sort of deep, as you would think. And because of that, I sort of learned to sort of stand up for myself a bit in high school, I think. And I've seen bullying in high school and I do sort of try to help stand up for them. But, you know, you can, one person can't make that much of a difference in the grand scheme of things, really. Yeah. So would you agree with Megan then that it's almost that it occurs more in primary school, but it then can affect you more in high school? Yeah, I think so. I think at high school, it's a bit more hidden, really. You can't really tell who's been bullied, who's a bullier, you know. Yeah. yeah. Colin, have you ever witnessed any bullying? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a long time ago, but as a child, I, I was, I, I had, a, had some experience of unpleasant comments. I wouldn't have said for me it was bullying. So bullying is this kind of repeated, unwelcome, hostile behaviour that's kind of long term and it's linked to a kind of power imbalance. That's the sort of definition of it. So I think at times we all experience an unkind comment or or, or, or things that are done to us that we actually don't like, whether that's physical or, or mental or emotional. Bullying is when it consistently happens. So I would say I personally experienced that as a child. Um, as a as a head teacher, I did have to deal sometimes with that. And my my role was a primary head teacher, so I can't necessarily comment from from a secondary perspective. I think one of the issues with primary school is um, you don't perhaps have the social media involved as much as say secondary. So with secondary, you know, you you have access to social media. Most accounts are thirteen plus, aren't they? So and we know some children start to use them before that, but we only begin to see that perhaps in year five, six, um, on the whole in, in primary. And then therefore there, there can potentially be a bit of a break from it when you're in primary school, because you can go home and, and not be subjected to it. Whereas maybe at secondary, particularly if it's happening over social media, there's this sense that you kind of never get, get a break from it. Um, so yeah, I, I have seen it. It's really, it's really hurtful. It's really hard for the person that, um, has been subjected to that um, and I saw a range with the I guess the term is the perpetrator the one that is causing the unpleasant feelings I saw a range there somewhere where it was quite purposeful and somewhere it was just a behavior that they almost didn't realize what they were doing was having that impact and it links back to that thing I said earlier that it's just they found a way of them making themselves feel a bit better and just aren't considering the other person and the impact and the hurt that that has yeah so, Megan, how did you, like, respond to your bullying in primary school? When it happened to me, I didn't respond in the right way because it was kind of all, like, really new. Because, like, when it, you're in that situation, you never really know what to do because your judgment's sort of clouded. Because, obviously, like, you feel, like, upset and you feel, like, sort of angry. 
and you kind of don't know how to deal with it. But I think the most important thing is you need to kind of stand up for yourself a bit because I feel like if you don't, then I feel like people are just going to try and find ways to put you down even more. And I think that's like the key thing, as much as it's going to take a lot of confidence. Uh, I just think that that is like the most important thing and being able to draw on an experience. I just think standing up for yourself is just the key thing you can do because almost not in a way where you're going to be horrible back or going to make a comment back, but just a way where you're going to say, oh, like, stop, this isn't right. Like, I've done nothing wrong. And I'd like, what are you, why are you being so horrible? And sort of kind of trying to put an end to it yourself without kind of stooping down to the level of like the bully, because I feel like doing that can affect it and make it so much worse and sort of being horrible back. But I think standing up for yourself and just kind of being like civil towards the person without actually being horrible I think that's really important yeah and I'd also say that almost similar to what you're saying it almost shows like the person who's bullying you that you you can see what they're doing but you just want to show them that it's not affecting you because I'd say like what makes them carrying on bullying is if they get a reaction from you and if exactly, they get a reaction yeah. from you, then they'll carry on. So if you show that you're like confident <clears> enough to stand up for yourself, then it might almost it might then cause a stop to the bullying. Yeah, because yeah, like literally, if you react, it, they've got what they want in the end, and it's just they're gonna want to do it more to get more reactions out of you. And so I think if you don't react and just kind of be you and stand up for yourself, that's kind of the best way out of the situation, really yeah definitely um Scott you said when you were in primary school you had more physical bullying how did you respond to that um I didn't really I just sort of waited until high school um and it was quite a small school so you, I don't really know what you could have done um so I just sort of went until high school and I could just put a bit of distance between them and make some new friends and new connections and sort of start a whole new sort of life of school I guess yeah so was it like physical bullying almost like fight fights or what type uh, of yeah yeah would, would you fight back then or not yeah yeah um it was sort of as if they'd sort of throw berries and stuff and then I'd throw them back and it'd all get in trouble and I kept telling them to stop but nothing I'd do would make them stop um so yeah nothing I could really do yeah looking back like now would you have done anything different no because I didn't really really know what to do at the time really and I probably wouldn't really know now yeah um Colin how did you respond to bullying or how like how should people respond yeah I I think Scott's thing is is what he said there's really interesting and important it's like I I don't I don't really know how I think a lot of people feel that when they're in the midst of it um because it as Megan was saying it was something new I, I didn't didn't know about this it's not something that they that you necessarily, you know, read a book on. But actually, there is a load of stuff now that's really helpful. Um, I've come across a really good website um, on a range of topics, um, but one of the areas it covers is bullying. It's called ditchthelabel.org. Um, and it, it's about trying to understand situations like bullying um, as best as you can. And what they say, number three on their sort of top 10, if you like, of how to deal with bullying is to not go through it in silence. Um, and this links to what Megan was saying, but in the sense of standing up for yourself. Sometimes when people are being bullied, they think, oh, if I stand up for myself, if I comment back or if I, like Scott did, throw the berries back, 
it'll make it worse. They'll move it from berries to rocks or they'll move it from one unkind comment to something even more or more people will join in. And there's this, certainly with children that I worked with, there was this worry that, but if I do, it will get worse. Or if I tell someone, it'll get worse. In all of my experience, it doesn't. When you when you stand up for yourself, and that can be in different ways. Sometimes it is, as Megan said, um, just actually saying, I don't like this behavior. I'd like it to stop. Standing up for yourself in that way can be one way. Another way is talking to somebody that can support you, whether that's an adult within the context that you're in, whether that's school or a club or activity, wherever the bullying's occurring, talking to an adult who can stand with you, or that could be talking to some of your peers. Um, it's interesting, Scott said earlier, oh, I, I don't know, can you, can you do anything as one person? Actually, one person standing with the person uh, can make a huge difference. Um, so actually, how can you respond? Um, when you see it going on, actually standing with them like the pack. I don't know if you've ever seen like animals that are being hunted. So like you might have antelope being hunted by a, a lion or something. Um, the antelope that's stuck out on their own away from the pack is really vulnerable. And what they do is the bigger antelopes surround the smaller antelopes to kind of, and they run off in packs. Um, and I think that, again, can be a really powerful way of us helping someone stand up to bullying, actually being like the antelopes that surround them, going with them, saying to them, actually, if it's happening there, why didn't you come over with us? Um, and that can be a really good way of you standing up to what's happening is by other people standing with you. But standing up can be about talking to the adult. It can be about talking to your peers and getting some advice from them. It's about saying, look, whenever I go here, this is what happens to me. And so that your peers then say, well, actually, we'll come with you. Um, so it is really important to not suffer in silence, because as soon as you isolate yourself, you actually extend the bully's power. Um, so it's important not to be isolated, not to turn in yourself. That's much easier for me to say than for the person who's going through it to actually do, because it can be really debilitating. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful to perhaps any of our listeners, but certainly look at the website ditchthelabel.org and their section on bullying. Just give some real practical advice on little steps that you can take, both as someone who's being subjected to bullying, but also if you're seeing bullying, the sorts of things you can help people with and sometimes that means you know not saying something as a supporter to the bully but actually going with the person who's being subjected to it to the adults in school to say actually look this is what we're seeing can we work together to try and help protect this person you know it can be simple actions like that which means you're not then worried about being subjected to the bully too yeah so would you say then there are any like say you you your friend is being bullied but they don't want anyone else to know what like should we do in that situation because that I would say that situation happens quite a lot because some teenagers and young people might not want to seem almost weak if they tell someone so yeah. what should we do in that situation well I think one of the issues if if you're being subjected to persistent unpleasant behavior you're feeling a sense of control being taken away from you um, and so in one sense, how we can support the person that's being subjected is to try and help gain, them gain some control back in that situation. The, the challenge comes when they say, I don't want anyone else to know, is that you might know, well, actually, you're, you're isolating yourself then. We're not going to get the help you need. But it is about saying, OK, so if you want to get some control back in this situation, 
what one thing could you do? Because often when someone's subjected to that, the mind can't think straight. It's being flooded with a stress hormone called cortisol. And actually to think about what they could do, they're a bit like a bunny before head headlights. I don't know you've heard about that. If you, a rabbit sees headlights, it, it'll just freeze. And sometimes it can feel like that if we're being subjected to that kind of behavior. Um, so maybe give the control a bit back to them and say, okay, I think that might isolate you. But if that's what you like, what's one thing then that you could do or that we could help you with? And to try and give them a sense of control and say, well, let's try that for a week then and see if that helps. And then what you gradually help them to do is realize, well, I tried that first thing and I tried the second thing, but it's still not changing yet. So maybe I do need to go and seek the help of somebody else. So rather than saying, oh, no, that's a stupid idea. You should go and see Miss whoever um, or Mr. Whoever, whoever your adult is. Um, it may be about saying, OK, if that's what you'd like. But what's the one thing we could do then? to help you so that they feel a sense of control back. And if they find that isn't working, then maybe it is a case of saying, look, it seems to me like maybe this isn't working. So maybe we could try and take a trusted adult into our into our kind of confidence and see if they could help us. Um, and so I think it's about trying to help them see possible ways forward. But if they're struggling because it's just so stressful for them, then maybe suggest one or two things they could try and then if you find those aren't working, then maybe help them to see that maybe seeking adult help could help. Yeah. So stereotypically, and almost it is in like the situation here, like Megan said that she was bullied in primary school with like girls saying unkind comments. And when Scott was bullied physically, it can seem that boys often bully other boys physically and more violently but when girls bully other girls it's more emotional verbal and almost like mind games so what do you think of these stereotypes and do you like agree with them um for at least in primary school i'd agree with them but i don't have any experience in high school so maybe it could be the opposite way around i really don't know but yeah for primary school i'd probably agree with it yeah yeah and megan what do you think um, yeah, I think more often than not, the stereotypes are like correct. However, kind of like as with any stereotype, there are going to be exceptions and there are going to be situations where that isn't the case. But more often than not, if you hear, for example, about a fight or something in high school, more often than not, it will be between two boys rather than two girls. And then um, <clears throat> if you ever hear about a girl that's being like bullied or someone's been horrible to her, it's always you will most more often than not you hear about it kind of more psychologically and I feel like that the phrase like more often than not is kind of key because I feel like it's it's saying that it happens often but like there's still exceptions and there is still situations where it is not the case and I think like this is a stereotype that doesn't necessarily like or it's not necessarily going to get broken and I feel like it's not it's almost it's not like a stereotype where people are being horrible about other people but I think that it is accurate a lot of the time and I think that is it's kind of deemed as quite normal now yeah um Colin what do you think I think I think Meg's right you know a stereotype is a stereotype isn't it and and these exceptions can be broken it doesn't mean that because you're a, a a lad that you'll you'll get something physical and you'll never get anything verbal um my reading around this and some of research would suggest that predominantly that is the case, that, that males maybe get more physical and females get more verbal. 
but it isn't as Meg said it isn't always the case and in fact my experience where I saw this unpleasant behavior and it then perhaps turned and became repeated often it, it actually was around verbal or it was around exclusion uh, and le deliberately leaving people out and deliberately moving so they can't sit with you and making a poignant case of it. So sometimes it's not even words, it's just this sort of exclusion activity. And I saw that with, with male and female. And I think probably maybe particularly with the growing uh, influence of social media, I think it becomes more, um, I say if it's verbal, it's online, isn't it? It's words, but it, it, it it's that equivalent of verbal. It, it's... Um, you know, there's the old phrase, six sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. It's complete nonsense. Names can really, really hurt you. They re remain with you perhaps forever. Um, and they become as much as an emotional scar as a physical scar might have been. Um, and it can be incredibly hurtful. So, yeah, I think those are the stereotypes, but it, it can happen either way. Um, and say so some of the research that people have done would suggest that that is the case. But Either way, it's it's horrible. It's it's around exerting control over somebody to, to make them feel smaller. And whether it's physical or whether it's verbal, if you're the receiver of it, it's it's really unpleasant, isn't it? Nobody wants either. Yeah. And I'd also say that I think the stereotypes almost lived out because girls, I would say, are more concerned about being in groups and like how high up their popularity is and like who they're friends with and things. Whereas boys most of the time are just like friends with everyone or like in one big group really and there's no like specific groups of friends so there's almost like you don't like with the groups of girls there's they might feel more of a need to bully another group if there's like le if there's less popularity in that but I think it does occur with boys as well and especially like with jokes and sometimes those jokes being taken too far um Colin similar to what you were saying with like online and social media cyberbullying now is more prevalent and it can happen when people are sent like hate messages or other things over social media so do you think that bullying online can be harder to spot as it's over the screen and it's almost harder to open up to because it might then disappear within like 24 hours or something? Um, I think like, yeah, it's become so much more common these days and that's such like a, a terrible thing. And I think that cyberbullying is a really difficult topic because a lot of the time, you can kind of really tell the tone of a message and you can understand where someone's coming from. But then there are those times where you can really wrongly interpret the tone of a message. And I think that's what's so difficult about it because there are there are occurrences where people are very obviously being horrible online and that's like terrible. But then there are times where you do like you don't know if there are some sort of like subliminal messages within the message you're being sent. Like is there like a did they mean this that way or did they mean this that way? There's always questions around the tone, I think. And people, this can cause people to feel like hurt and people may intend to hurt people, but they may not. And they may really just be saying something just to say it, not to like be horrible. And so I think that that, that is like a big cause of cyberbullying, I think, because people start to think they're being bullied and then maybe they might retaliate in some way. But I think, 
it's like become so much more common as social media has become more com- common and like more prominent especially with like younger people and it, like the people using social media are getting younger and younger like I most of my social media platforms I didn't have until I was about 12 but then there are people who have it at the age of like 10 and at that stage I think some people aren't necessarily mature enough to use it and mature enough to use it in the right way and I think that is why like the 13 plus age limits are put in place for that very reason because some people just don't know when to stop and so I think that's why cyberbullying can really get out of hand because people think that because they're behind a screen they can say whatever they want and it's not going to get traced back to them but then in some cases it can be and like with snapchat where messages can disappear people use that to their advantage to then kind of be horrible and then within a day there's no trace and I think that's quite difficult and I don't think that really helps with the situation yeah so do you think then it's harder to be recognized because of because it is online yeah I think so because there's people can make up excuses for it they can almost like like they could say that like their account's been hacked or they didn't mean it that way and I think because they're not physically there when whatever is said is said they can almost play it off as something that wasn't meant that like that or something that kind of almost something that kind of didn't mean to offend someone and I think it can be played off and played down online but I think there's no there's there's still no excuse yeah um Scott what do you think I think another reason it can be so just horrible is that you can feel so alone if you're the one being bullied and there's no one else there it's just you and the screen and uh I haven't been personally cyber bullied but people who have it, it just it's a really horrible experience because you don't have anyone you feel you don't have anyone to turn to when they do but it's just it's really horrible yeah so would you think then if like imagine if you were the person being bullied would you think then that it's harder to tell someone about it because you're not sure whether it's just a message and you've read it in the wrong way or if it is actually someone intending to hurt you yeah, I think you do really sort of start to question yourself and say it was on Snapchat or something where the messages are instantly deleted and you start to think, did I really read that right? Was that really what they meant? And then you're not even sure if you're getting bullied and it just really plays, plays with your mind games, you know? Yeah. Um, Colin, what do you think? Well, I guess the first thing to say is I'm old and I have no hair and uh, I'm not as trendy and I, and I don't know as much about um, social media as clearly as you guys do. Um I think I think one of the things, though, uh, as, if I can share a bit of old person's wisdom here that might be useful, um, is is it's all about, in one sense, with social media that that you control your phone rather than your phone controls you, uh, and that you remain in control of it. The challenge is, of course, that with the phone, it, it is in one sense a bit of our lifeline, isn't it, with our, our social media, our connection with our friends. Um, and so it can feel hard if someone is making comments um, on our phone because it's harder to get away from. We mentioned this uh, kind of earlier. Top tips: if, if first of all, if you feel that somebody has said something that you that makes you feel uncomfortable in whatever way that is, is if wherever possible, screenshot it. Now you might say, Colin, you're really old. You can't screenshot these kind of ones that disappear straight away. But if you can, screenshot it because then that allows you to to have it. Um, both, I guess both Megan and Scott have intimated actually about, it is about them maybe seeking a bit of counsel. It can feel alone if you deal with it by yourself. Have I misinterpreted this? Um, and so maybe talk to somebody. I mean, one of, um, 
one of my uh, children many years ago, uh, when they were more your age, and they're, they're now adults themselves, had a, a situation where someone was making some comments to them um, over the phone. And uh, they weren't sure about it. They were unhappy about it. And so they, they wisely said, can I talk to you about it as, as their parents? Um, and so we had a look and we helped them understand the sorts of things that it might have meant, because we've mentioned this already, Megan, I think mentioned, or maybe we're misinterpreting it, or, or is it this? And so we helped them come up with a really carefully worded response so that it diffused the situation, but also allowed them, this other person to know that, that what they'd said, you felt uncomfortable with. And interestingly, it, it kind of sort of stopped, but didn't. Uh, and, and then we just had to send a text using a child's phone and just say, actually, this is the parents. We'd like you to stop this now. Um, and that actually then stopped it straight away. So I think it's the same thing that we said earlier. Don't isolate yourself. Seek a bit of advice if you can. Um, Megan mentioned a really interesting thing about how we interpret things. So I think our experience of someone means we form an opinion. So we have a bit of a known experience or a known fact. And then we have another maybe known experience or known fact about them. And we begin to shape a view of a person that we filter maybe communication through that lens. And as human beings, we're very good at doing something called the conspiracy theorists. We're all conspiracy theorists. We have a bit of fact, we have a bit of fact, and we like to make sense of it, so we fill it in. And so if we know, oh, actually, this person's made an unkind comment before, and then we receive something that feels a bit unkind, we will in instantly bridge the gap of those two things and, and see it as something unkind. Now, chances are it could be, but it might, might not be. And so again, seeking someone's advice, saying, look, I've read this, and this is the way I've taken it. And then somebody perhaps that's one step removed will help you work out yeah, what could be the other things behind it? How could I deal with this perhaps in a way that diffuses it, but lets the person know that that, that I haven't appreciated? Um, but bearing in mind I'm old and, uh, you know, that I, I'm not as cool on the social media, but if those kind of basic principles might help, um, and it is about how we then respond, I suppose it's, again, how we stand up for this, how we get some control back in a situation that maybe feel we don't have control again can be really important. Yeah. So staying on like the same line as misunderstanding a message, sometimes when a person's bullied, it can be hard to know or like understand if it is really bullying and like if it's meant hurtfully or if it's just a bit of banter that might have been taken too far. Um, Megan, do you think that um, it can sometimes be hard to understand the difference between them? I think, yeah, I think some people's sense of humour is so different to other people's sense of humour. And I think that some people can be just trying to have a laugh and someone can take it the wrong way. But then at the same time, I think people use like the word banter as an excuse or like it's just banter. And I think sometimes that's like that can make it feel even worse because oh I was I didn't really mean it but then you're like oh well it feels like you did so I'm not really sure what to do and I think obviously there's times where you will be able to tell if people are joking but then there are other times where you have got like those question marks and you're like do they really mean that or is it just a bit of banter but literally that phrase can get thrown around so quickly so I always like you never really know whether or not to trust it I don't think yeah um, Scott, what do you think? I think it is very hard to tell. Maybe as the person who is maybe been of having in the going through the banter 
or from an outside perspective because it's it's more banter when it's still someone you're very comfortable with your friends with you know they wouldn't mean it and if it's someone that maybe you don't know particularly well you don't get along with then they could use banter just as an excuse to say something nasty or even bully you so do you think now that like a lot more people are using the excuse of it's just banter um yeah i think so and it's more sort of bullies again a bit maybe clever and if someone they don't particularly know get along with and they're just using it as an excuse to not get in trouble for bullying basically but there is still banter and it's it, i think it's fine it cannot it, people can almost enjoy just having a bit of a laugh but it's just if you have someone bullying someone who's clearly not enjoying sort of having the conversation or the banter and it's just bullying that can be used as an excuse yeah yeah um colin what do you think well, I'm going to be perhaps slightly controversial here. I don't know. But I think what I'm going to suggest, I think, would be really helpful. Um, I'd like to ban banter. Um, and, and some people are like, oh, no, don't ban banter because it can be quite fun. I think I think the thing is, humour should should be something where you laugh with people together. It shouldn't be about one person or or some people um, being the kind of butt of, of the joke. Um, and And I think... As we've kind of said, banter can then be used. Scott said, you know, bullies can then be clever with it and say it was just banter. Um, words that come from us should lift people up, not put people down. Um, and our humour should be something where we laugh together about something. What banter does is it tends to be somebody then becomes a bit subjected to something or we're taking the mickey out of something that somebody does. And it then makes them feel uncomfortable um, and words can hurt, even if it's in jest. Um, and your one word, you might just think, well, all I said was this, but mix that with maybe what they've experienced over the last week or two weeks or three weeks with other people making a similar comment. And it no longer becomes banter. It becomes group bullying that actually people don't realise they are contributors towards. So if we think banter, which is about, you know, the larking, the making comments about somebody or something where somebody is the subject of it, then, then I don't think it's particularly helpful humour. I think... Banter and humour and having a laugh together should be when where people feel comfortable. And if you're not going to ban the banter, but I, I maybe try that. Maybe try that in your group. Let's let's ban banter for a week and see the impact it has on us as a group of, of friends. But if you're not going to ban it, there should be this really clear thing for you. If somebody looks like they're feeling uncomfortable, then maybe the line has been crossed and actually it's not banter at all. Actually, it's just some unpleasant behaviour where someone's been subjected to it. Um, so, yeah, for me, I'd, I'd ban the banter, um, but I'm old, maybe controversial, but I think that would really help in people feeling more comfortable. Um, yeah, there's my yeah. radical suggestion. <laughs> so what would you say is some, like, intervention strategies that could help others from being bullied if we witness it happening? Um, just to stand up against them, really. I mean, if I see someone getting bullied is sort of tell the person who might be bullying them or saying it's banter just to stop I mean they're clearly not enjoying it so what are they doing um I think it's really just sort of to stand up to them and just tell them that it is wrong and just try and maybe even get other people in the side as well because it is just wrong you need to tell yeah. them that yeah um Megan how can we help others who are like being bullied um I think when you're the victim of bullying I think it's such like a horrible experience to go through and I think you kind of it's such like a sad feeling to have and so I think a lot of the time 
I think it's important before you do anything, you need to speak to the person because I think if you do something that possibly they don't want you to do or makes it worse, it can make them feel a whole lot worse and they already feel horrible in the first place. So I think the most important thing you need to do before you do anything, I think you need to speak to the victim of the bullying and kind of see where their head's at, see how they're doing and see how they want to go forward. And then if they do say, oh, I don't want to do anything about it, then I think at that point you do step in and you say, well, as someone witnessing this, I think you need to do this in order to make this stop. But I think you always need to sort of put it by them first because you don't want to make them feel any worse than they already do. Yeah. Um, Colin, what do you have any other like intervention strategies? Well, the first thing I want to say is I think those two things that Scott and Megan have said are, are just brilliant. You know, to actually say to someone as well, to stand with them and say, no, that's not appropriate to say that to the perpetrator is great. I love Megan's one as well, because it's actually about giving control back to the person who's who's the victim in the situation. Um, I think, again, that's really important. Um, some other top tips for me, I think, is to tell the person who's being subjected to the bullying that they're actually not alone bullying can make you feel alone so for you to come along and say actually what I've just seen is not okay the way you were treated and I stand with you telling them they're not alone I think again is really important um I think the next stage is as Megan's just said to give them a bit of control back how would you like to manage this if you can my next top tip would be about helping them to speak to someone in authority that can actually work with them, both to support them to manage it themselves, but also maybe to, to step into the situation if needed. Um, I think the other thing you can do is help them to find safe places and safe people. Um, that comes and links to my next one, which is what I mentioned earlier about stand in packs rather than stand alone. Um, so it's much harder for a bully to pick off someone when they're in a group or in a pack. So you, know, you see someone being subjected, you say, come and stand with us four. It's much harder for a bully to step up a group of five people and pick someone off than if they're standing by their own. So if you can, stand in packs with them. Um, and I think that my last one would be also just try and help the person who is being subjected to the bullying to understand the bullying differently because the tendency can be the person that's feeling they're being bullied is to think, oh, so it is all about me then. I'm rubbish, I'm worthless, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm thin or whatever it is that the bully has subjected them to the comments. Is helping them understand, no, this isn't about you. We're all different, we're all different shapes, sizes, colours, we're all different um, ways of approaching life, different um, ways of thinking. Actually, it's not about you. It's about the, the person who's the perpetrator. They've got some issues. They're, they're feeling insecure. They're trying to make themselves feel bigger. And what you try and help the person then see is turn their pain into pity. Now, it doesn't take away, it doesn't say that, oh, we'll, we'll just show pity to the bully because it does need addressing. But helping the person understand that actually this is not about you. You've got so many good bits about you. This is an insecure person trying to make themselves feel bigger by making you feel smaller. And that, again, can help the person who's being subjected to the bullying just see, oh, so, so it's not about me. I'm not worthless then. I'm not rubbish. And that, again, is another brilliant thing you can do to help support the person who's who's being subjected to it. So hopefully those top tips will work brilliantly with the two that Scott and Megan have suggested. Yeah. Um, so as we like finish up the podcast today, um, Megan, Scott, what is like one thing that you have taken away from this conversation that like might possibly help you if any bullying occurs like later on in your life? Um, 
I'm going to be difficult and say two things, I think. So um, I think the first one is you're never alone in this. There are so many different ways out and there are so many different people, quite sadly, who have gone through the same thing as you. And so I think you need to just kind of realise that and kind of know that there is support out there. And I think the second thing is like, the second most important thing is talking to people. I think knowing you're not alone and then taking the next step to then talk to people and stand up for yourself and stand up to others about about kind of what you've been through. I think that's so important because as much as you're helping yourself, you're helping other people to realise that it's wrong and that it needs to stop. Yeah. Um, Scott, what about you? I think a big thing is also try and take a long-term approach to get a long-term solution is like going to someone with authority to actually stop the problem so it won't come back again because a lot of things I've said will maybe temporarily stop for a week maybe two weeks but to actually go to someone with authority uh, and get it sorted out I think is a long-term solution that will just help you you know in the future as well I think it's a big thing I've taken away yeah and I think I'd also like, like to add that if if you do try any of these things that we've mentioned to stop the bullying, keep doing them and keep trying to stop because it might not stop the first time. But if you keep going and keep almost like standing up for yourself or talking to people about it, then there's more chance in it stopping than if you just let the bully carry on bullying you. So thank you to all my guests today. Um, I think it's been a really helpful episode for lots of people who are going through bullying at the moment and if you feel like you're struggling with bullying then please follow our strategies that we've mentioned or go to lots of helpful websites like the one Colin mentioned earlier or Young Minds which will help a lot with more strategies. So thank you and see you for the next episode. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode and that you found this discussion helpful. I'd like to thank all my guests for their contribution. Thanks to you as well for listening. And finally, thanks for Paddy and Scotts for all their support in enabling this podcast to happen. Don't forget to visit their online shop to order some amazing coffee. Use the code YOUNGMINDS to enjoy 20% discount while supporting the amazing work Young Minds do. We'd love for you to leave a review on our website at www.talkingteenagelife.com and follow us on our social media. Music.